I thought I would last about three weeks in New York City. Moving with purpose. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Check like, two. is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like... I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. Helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. try to start a thought, and who knows where it's going to go. I made her watch the news one day because I was super cut off because uh, the story I told about the way she looked at people and the way she treated people, and I lost an interest in having to know the most latest and horrible thing going on around the world, I decided that's not how you make a difference, and I want to be more like her. And so I stopped watching, but then, like, eh, you know, it's been a year and a half, two years, I have no idea what's going on anywhere. I was like, Kel, can we just watch the 6 o'clock news together tonight? And she goes, okay. We sit down. Oh, my God, for fuck's sakes. The Sherpas got caught in an avalanche. Twelve Sherpas died on Everest. And then uh, after these uh, antidepressant commercials, we'll come back and tell you that um, the ship went down off of the coast of Korea and the little kids were told to stay on and they all drowned with the ship and the captain jumped off like a punk. And the captain lived and the little kids died. And she sat there with tears down her perfect little cheeks and said, how does anybody watch this? This is the worst thing in the world. Why does this show even exist? I was like, we don't have to watch the show again. I'm so sorry. And that was the first and only time we watched the news together. Yeah. Yeah, she she didn't have a stomach for, for that kind of thing. She could watch slasher movies until the end of time, but that's not real. Yep. And I'm the opposite. I couldn't watch slasher movies. In my favorite movie ever, which is Elizabeth. Have you seen Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett? Yes. It starts out with someone being burned to the uh, at the stake. And I was like, okay, this is my favorite movie ever, but I'm going to cover your eyes for the first scene. And she starts laughing so hard. She's like, do you know my favorite movie is Kill Bill? Like, do you know, like, do you have any idea what I'm into? I was like, just blood and gore. I just don't want you to have any more. She knew, we knew each other so well. She knew that I didn't want her to have one more violent image in her head. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to start cleaning it out and putting something else inside there. And I was like, no, just... I'll tell you when you can watch. I'll cover your eyes. But then I had to cover my own too. So I'm like slamming my eyes shut. My hands are around her head. I'm like, it's almost over. And she's laughing hysterically. I'm like, talk over the screaming. It's almost over. And in the movie, they're like, I burn too slowly. Add more sticks. I'm like, don't listen. Don't listen. It's going to be okay. She's laughing. Oh, my oh, I wish I had a video of that That two minutes. That would be uh, one for the ages. Right. Okay. So we talked about connecting with your body. We talked about... We didn't talk a ton about uh, what it's really life, life, life aimed at Broadway. I want to know more about New York. Oh, my God. That's really a blur. Uh, I was 23 to 33 was the uh, time era of that stint of life. Uh, and thank goodness I was that old because I think if I would have gone there right out of high school, I'd probably be no longer on this world. Uh, <laughs> I'm Tori. No one's going to hurt me. Holy smokes. I what, thought I'd what make... would they steal from me for? I know, right? I'm a nice person. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought I would last about three weeks in New York City. Yeah. I, I grew up on a farm. 
yeah, my parents are both teachers, music and art, but I still grew up on a farm and had never lived anywhere. I think 25 miles was the furthest I had lived from home at that time. And so when I moved to New York, I was like, holy shnikes, this is a big place. Yeah, shnikes just came out of my mouth again. Did you go into Minneapolis when you grew up in Annandale? You know, my parents being in the arts, they made a point. And actually, they both grew up in the cities. Uh, So they were city people that went, "Uh, I want something a little bit slower pace and, and simpler. And so, but we would... I would say at least once a month, we'd either go to Orchestra Hall or to a museum, uh, the Science Museum. Cool. Uh, so getting into metro areas and seeing as much diversity as Minneapolis had to offer. We do know, the best we can. Back. I will say for Minneapolis, we we open our arms to the world. We have a lot of refugees here. Yeah. So we can laugh about, oh, we're so white, we're so white. Yeah, until you go and see all the people who were running for their lives that we said, come, we'll take care of you. Absolutely. So I'm actually a really proud Minnesotan. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, for, oh, for sure. Well, that would be a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> proud Minnesotan. Going, going on the, uh, the blue and... Major problems with racism, but yeah. in our hearts, we take in the people who are in the most desperate situations in the world. We take them in. But, absolutely. And even when you go down that road, I mean, we have a lot of red in Minnesota, right? So talking Republicans, uh, people that, you know, maybe go, well, not that they're saying that they don't want refugees and other people here, but haven't had that opportunity yet to wake up to why that's important to, you know, live life in a holistic way and accept any being that, that needs a place to stay. Or know their own history. Like, where do you think, okay, if you're a white person listening to this, where do you, why do you think your ancestors wanted to come here? You know, human migration is a science. I know these days everything, everyone's allowed to have their own opinion and their own truth, but the fact is it's called population science. Mm-hmm. And there are repelling and compelling forces. And for every compelling force, there still has to be something repelling you. So what did our ancestors run from? Um, they ran from dynastic Europe. If you're born in the wrong family, you'll push a plow for the rest of your life. Sorry about your 150 IQ. Hope you can push a fucking plow because that's what's in store for you. That's what's available to you in this world. But the word is that across the ocean, there's something else. We don't know what it's going to be made into, but they're calling it the land of opportunity. Do you want to take the risk? Or as I call the U.S., I call it the nation of secondborns. Being a middle child, I feel these are my people. Uh, second born is meaning like, okay, big brother gets the big piece of chicken, right? Well, I've t- I'm talking to a yogi vegetarian, uh, tofu, <laughs> but like edible tofu that someone drizzled like general so or some yeah, kind of teriyaki totally. sauce all over it. What do you look forward to eating? Everything. Are, are you a chocolate guy? Are you like, what's something really savory that you look forward to eating? Oh, you kidding? I, I'm, I am 100% a... Mexican south of the okay. border, give me a burrito with big salsa. Big brother gets the big burrito, and, and little brother and all, everyone who comes after, by virtue of when they were born, no kind of meritocracy gets the leftovers, right? And these people woke up one day and said, I don't want to be told for the rest of my life that because of the birth order and what family I was born into and this and that, that this is what I'm in for. I want to go create it myself and, and live or die based on my own merit. And that's what this place is supposed to be about. So if people think that... They're a proud American waving the flag, turning away refugees. They have no interest in their own history. Mm. Sorry, they don't. No, it, it would be interesting. Uh, you know, take that magic time machine out of your back pocket and go back in time now. And as they came here, you know, with that idea of I need change, I you know I don't like where we're at now. How much of that conditioning did they bring with them? 
you know, because if you look at the politi- the political world here compared to, let's say, England or something like that, we're not that far off. You know, we've all kind of come back to the same place. So I, I have to believe that there's some of that that we brought with us that ended up, even though we were looking for more freedom, we were looking for more change, we still brought some of that conditioning with us that, you know, ended up dividing us, mm. um, you know, and obviously money is power. You know, some of those rich people probably came as well. And, you know, they're the ones that typically will start to, you know, be able to yield a little bit more sway or say in the world. The industrialists. Yay. Yep. Absolutely. Wow, that that really went down a road that I didn't think we would go down. That's cool. What, politically or like history? Yeah, all of it. I just think, I mean, God, maybe I do need a political podcast because every episode I go, I promise I won't get political. When I say that, I'm talking about I don't want this to become a leftist show where a conservative who had some horse shit happen to them feels like they can't talk about PTSD and they can't talk about trauma. I think uh, it's really important that the left doesn't think they own mental health um, because trauma doesn't discriminate. And someone growing up filthy rich with uh, some horrible memories disrupting their upbringing, disrupting their their mental formation, you know, um, their developmental years, doesn't have it any better. If anything, rich families are more into keeping up appearances, there might be more pressure in a well-to-do family to keep quiet, and it's the silence that's going to kill you, than a poor family that's out in the streets with their, you know, fucking you know, loud and shouting and just carrying on. Like I've spent a lot of time around really, really poor people in Mm -hmm. my twenties. Um, and they don't keep as much secrets. They kind of shout it all and leave it all out and hang out the dirty laundry and everything. It's like, it's obnoxious. I do wish you would shut up, but it's also like, that's interesting. And I decided as a kid that, uh, a kid in my twenties, I decided that the voiceless feel a need to shout. And it's why tennis and golf are quiet because they don't feel voiceless in society. I can't prove this. These are things I come up with in my mind. I like it. So you could write in the comments, you're full of shit. There's no reason to, you can't say that. No, I, I say it. I can't prove it. Right. I think the voiceless are loud and the people who feel they have influence in society tend to be quiet. Um, and I don't think that's easy once you add in uh, sexual abuse, uh, trauma, anything like that. I think that, hey, we're, we're a quiet c- kind of people. We're the quiet set. I think that can, I think that can take a person's life. Mm-hmm. And we, it's, it's a universal truth. We don't know what's going on in anybody else's life. Mm. You know, you know, whatever, whatever your beliefs are, no matter where you've landed in life, you know, we can look at somebody and disagree with them, but we have no idea what got them there to that point. And so to, and that's where our mind is going to start messing with us. That's where the yoga starts to come in and go, well, am I going to judge them? Am I going to label them? Great, I'm going to label you as a Republican. I'm going to label you as Tea Party, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. I just automatically see a picture of the Boston Tea Party whenever I hear that. It's ironically <laughs> funny for me. Um, but there's a reason they are the way they are today. And for us to label people without taking a breath and going underneath all that, they're human. You know, they have issues just like I do. Can I take a moment, look them in the eye, and just appreciate that they're here? That's hard to do. Uh, but it is a practice, and it's, it's, I, th- I know it's a worthwhile one that, that we should slow down and do more often. For sure. 
I keep saying talk about New York, and then 10 seconds later, we're talking New about something New York, totally New different. York. Um, so what was it like being around, you grew up around creative people, so it's not like the first in your, time in your life being around people who are creative for a living, but it still must have been an eye-opener. I think what was really the biggest eye-opener, talk about diversity. Uh, I felt like I was at a minority for the first time in my life, which was really cool for me to go, wow, I, I have to learn how to... Uh, be adaptable in a new space. I need to learn how to blend in, I think, is something that happened pretty quickly. Uh, just to kind of... People go, New Yorkers are mean, and it's not. They're just moving with purpose. Mm. They know where they're going, and they know what needs to get done. And you can either stand there and go, what the hell's happening, and get you know plowed over, or you find your way to you know join in. And that's really what that 10 years was for me. It was, you know, I'm going to learn to be adaptable and join in where I can. I definitely lost myself at different times of, you know, trying to explore. It was in that time frame, I think, in life when we are trying to figure out who am I. Oh, yeah, your 20s for sure. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, being in New York, I was fortunate that, I mean, every drug is is there and available to you. (laughs) I, I luckily went I'm well. Cutting off the sentence right there. I was fortunate <laughs> that every drug is available to you. I, I didn't sure go down that road. I, I found out that you know, I, I was much more into the pub scene than than the drug scene. Mm-hmm. And with that, I, I there's something magical that happens in a pub because you are around so many different people, and not that I don't want to promote alcoholism here because that's oh, another mind fuck. Yeah, short for public house. We used to get together and talk. And that's what it was there, is there were these old school Irish pubs, and they were truly, you go to New York now, and they're not true Irish pubs anymore. They've, they've kind of been, whatever. They say that in Boston, too. They're like, I was like, where's a real Irish pub? They're like, you won't know the difference. They're all corporate these days. Nah, I had Jimmy behind the bar. He was there every day with his, oh, Tori, how you doing? That was a horrible Irish. <laughs> Let's, we'll just stop with that right now. <clears throat> But there was Rick the cop. Uh, there was, I mean, you go down it and, you know, watching Cheers as a, as a kid growing up, I went, holy shit, this is my Cheers. Mm. I would walk in, people go, Tory! And you sit down and you just have these conversations and you sit and you watch what people are going through in their life. And you realize really quickly that everybody has shit going on. But when you can come together and you can socialize and you can feel not alone, it helps. It doesn't have to be around alcohol. It doesn't have to be around drugs. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, back uh, 10 years ago, yoga exploded. Uh, yeah, it totally did. I was going to ask you about um, the commercialization of it and how American ru- America can ruin anything. It can. Sorry, it's just like... It can. Oh, I don't have the right... The yoga mat's 50 bucks, and I don't have the right pants, and da da I guess I'm not ready for yoga. If you can breathe, you can do yoga. Oh, yeah. Yoga is a billion-dollar business. Oh, my God. And, um... But... Just like Gandhi intended. <laughs> One day, when we're free from the British, we will sell $50 yoga mats with Lululemon branding. You can Did look I just at... ruin your sponsorship? N- no, you didn't. I, I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> I, I've... As much as it has become a business, it also, I think, became popular because we were searching. Mm. 
as a society, we felt so disconnected that we were looking for something that was going to bring connection back into our life. And even if, you know, the biggest commercialized yoga program out there teaches yoga from the simple perspective that we are here to help you breathe, you are going to leave that. And this is what happened to most people is they would show up, they would go, well, this is a trend. I'm going to go. I got my new Lululemon pants. I'm going to look fabulous. I'm going to go have fun. It matches the headband. It does. It's so amazing. But you go, you practice, and all of a sudden you get to the ending pose we call Shavasana, corpse pose. It sounds morbid. That's the one I'm good at. Yeah. Oh, I, Shavasana, I can do that all I, day. I love the t-shirts that say, I'm here for Shavasana, because yes. it's true. <laughs> we go so fast that we forget that we need naps. Naps That's aren't the, supposed to stop when you're a child. We yeah. need them, because we get crabby. Well, I get, it hits me at like 2, 2.30. So like right, ap- right after this, I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll go see what your kids are doing if they'll let me play with them, and then I'll go ride my bike. But I know that if it's like 2, 2.30, I'll just be like battling. Mm-hmm. So corpse pose, not morbid. It's actually the, hopefully if you were breathing for that entire hour, you were able to let go of some of the shit that you brought on. You know, you're not supposed to leave your shit at the door when you go to a yoga class. You're actually supposed to bring it onto your mat. Really? Yeah. And then wow. you go through these poses that are stressful. You got the stress going on in your mind. You keep bringing your focus as your mind wanders. It's not about clearing your mind. It's about learning to observe it without attaching to it. And then as you get to the end and you actually take five minutes, hopefully you get five minutes in a Shavasana. to well, actually in charge. You teach the teachers. Right. To <laughs> absolutely breathe and just be. That shit dies. Wow. Fuck, I just hit your computer, sorry. Are you okay? No, I was just really excited. Don't whap that dongle. That, that sounded weird. That uh, Don't break that because it's got expense. It's anti-piracy. Ooh, and so this one that, right here? Yeah, so if that breaks, up. I think there's software that I can't use anymore. So there you go. See, that's it. That's the reactions of our mind that go... I'm going to ask go, you again not to touch my dongle. Don't touch. God, who, who came up shit? with that who word? Fucking a. Usually creatives come up with cool names for no, stuff. No, some, some, some drunk that motherfucker that dongle? went... Dude, dude, dongle. Dongle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, we'll never talk about New York. We every time we come back to it, we're off of it again. I like, told you because I don't remember I like it. It was a, such a blur. It. it was such a blur. Okay, so meditation. So, because it all it would New York really was. I think if I. Had, <laughs> I just who cares? Talk about meditation. Now I'm going back to, to New York. So let's go to New York then. We've been trying to avoid it this entire Does time. Does anyone want to host this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I can't wait till I get mine because Karma's going to be a bitch. I'm not editing this. Oh God! I'm leaving it like this. Uh, we, How we, could I edit this? This is un- this is unsalvageable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, no, they they do come together because New York isn't thought of as a peaceful, meditative place. Exactly. Everyone's there to achieve. Um, and like you said, they move with purpose. I think that was the most positive way I've ever heard it expressed. Um, Absolutely. It's a and different pace, a different tone than the Midwest and how they communicate. And then being an actor, I mean, you're going to places to have people judge you. Oh, yeah. Typically for 30 seconds. You know, you give us your best 8 or 16 bars. They've already judged you and labeled you as you walked in the door. And so on a good day, I would do 6 to 8 auditions. And defeat, 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 defeat. And it really does do a mind job on you. And even when I would get a gig and I'm like, sweet, I'm, I'm on that first tier of the ladder and I'm actually doing something, I would go, now I, I've, I've, I've got a foundation. I can't go backwards from here. 
wrong. Hmm. No, as soon as you get done with a gig in New York, it, nobody knows you because it's such a big community. It's not like in Minneapolis where you know the there. acting community kind of knows everybody. Uh, you just start back off at the bottom, and then you audition again and again, and then you get the next gig. Uh, and when I did get my my Broadway flop, I was like, all right, now I got a manager and an agent. This shit's going to go great. Look out, world. Fuck <laughs> no. It was, it was just as hard. <laughs> it, it didn't get any easier. Uh, and it was really funny because when I look back at it now, right, hindsight's always twenty twenty. it was when I didn't care. And I showed up to an audition and was just myself. That's when I would get the gig. Like Tommy Boy. It was weird. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. It was like, you have to just, what, what the hell did happen? It was something about, he was obviously he's trying to sell, but he was like, just chill out and don't even care. They had decided that they'd already lost him, whatever. And then he starts like uh, being looser and bullshitting with people and being friendly. And then he starts closing deals. Yep. I mean, there's a I lot of truth that I think we try so movie. hard, but man, if we can just soften and just show up, I think people think for some reason they're boring hmm. and then I got to put on this front and I have to actually be an actor, you know, that, that playing at the part instead of just showing up, mm-hmm. living under imaginary circumstances. You know, it's weird. We've actually flip it in real life. We're always on. Yep. We're you know? always on. But if you actually just show up, you're amazing. Everybody has their gifts and fucking get naked. You know, people, naked yoga. All right, let's bring it back to yoga. Naked yoga has started to become a thing. Oh, for Christ's sake. Right. And exactly. Our reactive mind goes, (laughs) what the fuck? God damn, yogis. That's gross. Downward face. Oh, don't even make me think about it. That's so nasty. (laughs) But if you bring it back to, I am going to strip away all of the facades all the clothing that makes me cool or not cool, mm. and I'm just going to show up and be with my muffin top and not judge myself. I am going to be there, you know, in my most vulnerable state and appreciate who I am. It's fucking mind-blowing, really. Yeah. But <laughs> being in a conditioned society that we are, fuck, I'm the yogi in the, on this podcast – I am not going to go to a naked yoga class because I still am not there. I get up and I meditate every goddamn day because I know I've gotten to watch uh, my children. I love them. Oh, my God, I love them. But I have never had anybody push my stress buttons like children do. You know, you, you think that they're going to listen to you and actually go, oh, okay, you don't want me to die. But then they go do the thing that's going to fucking kill them. With a smile on their going, face. Yeah. No, I'm going to run in the parking lot. No, you're not. Your kids don't have the strongest instincts. Remember when I was getting interested in taking up backpacking and I thought I would spend the night in your backyard as a practice? Yes. It never happened because the storm of the century rolled in. <laughs> yep. You're like, this is what it's going to be like. Go do it anyway. I was like, your trees are the wrong distance apart and I can't make this work. Uh, anyway, the storm starts rolling in and I had gotten them super excited about, you know, here's how you carve a, a, uh, a tent stake out of a stick and they were helping me and all this stuff. The storm starts rolling us up out of nowhere, no warning. I was like, you guys run inside. And they just stood there and stared at me. I go, inside, there's a storm coming. And they stood there and stared at me. I was like... How many times do I have to say, run inside right now? And they just stood there. I was like, do you have no survival instincts? Because I was always saying to you that the littler one would live in the woods. Mm-hmm. She'd survive in the woods if something happened. She'd, she'd kind of be okay. 
She has no sense of pain. She's not easily thrown. She's like, I'm okay. That's actually her exact quote right there. Yeah, that's her, that's her t-shirt. But yeah, yeah. They, uh, they weren't scared of that storm. I thought that would be an animal instinctive thing, but... No, I think we've lost that. Have we lost that? Or do kids like have this sense that because everything is so dangerous because they're so vulnerable, that that has to be shut off in the mind and then it gets worse and worse as you get older. Like, oh, I don't want to break a hip. Maybe, yeah. We start to condition ourselves. We start to attach to the thoughts that are there because we... Thoughts of danger. It's, again, fear-based. Yeah. That's a lot of life is something happened to me. Mm. I'm afraid of that happening again. So I'm going to put up a protective wall to protect me from that. Um, And, you know, pretty soon our hearts get real thick. Mm. Yeah. So children have taught me a, a lot about stress. <laughs> uh, and I found on the days that if I do, you know, whether it's I was up too late because I was being stupid and I was, I'm still a child in many ways. I don't like to go to bed at night. You don't. You stay up. I would love to ever. stay up. I can be freaking exhausted. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I should stay up and watch at least six more movies because oh that's going to be healthy. Um, so that happens every now and then. And then my alarm goes off at 6 a.m. to say, hey, get up and meditate. When does Margaret go to sleep? Uh, sh- <laughs> Pre or post children. Now. Now she's usually, uh, <laughs> I, w- I would say within the past, I hope you're okay with me talking about you, Margaret. Um, she, she's, she's staying up until about 10 these days, I think. It used to be as soon as the girls were in bed, she was in bed. Um, I mean, she's with them all day. And children are exhausting. They they really just run you ragged. But she is getting to the age where she's, I'm like, where are the kids? She's, they're fine. Yep. But are, is one of them in the front yard? One's in the backyard? They're fine. It's funny because like- <laughs> I watch you with my kids. Oh, you do? Don't and do I, that. And I go, fuck, that's what I used to do with my niece and nephew. As I would always sit there and go, Play. God, my sister's an idiot. You just let him go. He, oh, my nephew is waving a stick with an ember on it. He is four. He is going to burn his head off. <laughs> what the fuck? Am I protective no. of your kids? Oh, fuck yeah. What do I do? I'm the one that's like, you guys, you got to learn there's pain in life. Pick it up yourself. <laughs> no, like when they fall no. down and they say, help me up. I say, get up yourself and then I'll All give right. you a hug. Let, let me paint a picture of the last boat them. ride. The last, the last boat ride that we had. Boats are dangerous. <laughs> We're sitting there, we're all chatting, and the girls, they can't, they can't handle themselves. They hit a bump, and they just want to jump, and they want to fly a little bit higher. Uh-huh. And you're sitting there going, no, sit down, guys. Sit down. You have to sit down. <laughs> I did? Yes. Oh, my That's what God. I was told. Okay, that, I blame my grandfather. Don't stand up in a boat. This there is, is straight up Minnesota. Do not stand up in a boat. Hashtag conditioning. Oh, but they're going to fly into the propeller. And if they do, they learn. <laughs> this is this is the parent motto that eventually we all give into is if they don't fucking hurt themselves they're never going to learn. Well, my big thing with them is uh and I I'll tell you the funny version of this we were at uh MIA Minneapolis mm-hmm. Institute of Arts once and they're you know it's fancy there's big huge heavy glass doors even leading into the kids play area. Yep. Violet's pulling on the door. Teresa help me. I said you're stronger than you know. Pull on that door. You can do it. Teresa help me. She's pulling and pulling and she's like all right I can do it. Finally, I, I give it a little pull thinking, you know, I'll put one finger on it, it'll fly open. No, I had to use two arms. I was like, okay, sorry, you were right about that. <laughs> but the idea is still yeah. like, um, and it might just be some sickness from what I've been through that I kind of, I've said to at least the older one before, like, what would you do if no one was here to help you right now? Hmm. 
you know, you'd look around and you'd, you'd look inside and you'd find that strength so you can open this door, except that actually that door was like 70 pounds. It was, it was a little bit heavier Aside than she from that, was. I think it's a good lesson. I don't know. That's why I thought you were going to say is. I was too rough with them. Oh, no. That's funny. Yeah. But it's because we want <laughs> we want to protect. We want to protect ourselves. And when we see little kids. Their skin is so yeah, soft. Yeah, exactly. They're, They're resilient. God. Just like we are, we're, we're we're resilient. I think we often think that we're more fragile than we actually are. Hmm. Uh, it's all where our mindset is. At the end of the day, you're as fragile as your mind is. If you are attaching to things all the time, you're going to be more nervous about what's going to happen. I'm going to be afraid of what's coming ne- the next day. I'm going to be afraid of what's coming tomorrow. I'm going to be afraid of losing what I have. You know, I think those are probably the biggest fears that we have in life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to have a hard conversation with somebody. I'm afraid of having that. Fucking show up. Look them in the eyes. Open your heart. And the words will come out that need to actually happen. I can say that very strongly. And it doesn't mean that before I have hard conversations, I don't sit there and go, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, uh-huh. oh, shit. Yeah. But every single time, I can say this now because I've been practicing it for a long time. I, I found that... You know, as I have moved along in my career, and it was never my goal to be the director of a yoga program that oversaw 145, you know, locations across, you know, North America. With minimum five-minute shavasanas. That's right. With minimum. Everybody <laughs> listening to this. Uh, you got to find me that t-shirt. Oh, my God. There's, there's a lot of them. Uh, is that I've had to have lots of hard conversations, and I used to fear them. But now I know if I show up with love... And I go, this isn't because you've done anything wrong or typically I'll go, I fucked up. Because a lot of times, you know, even where I am, it's because I tried to make something right. I've tried to force it. I didn't take enough time to slow down and actually be inclusive enough to include enough people in the conversation where we could move in the right direction in a way that made everybody feel good to elevate everybody. You know, sometimes we get so fast and we see the eye on the finish line of what the project is. I need to get there as fast as I can. And we just bulldoze. And then people do get hurt. But if you just slow down and go, that was on me. Mm. I'm sorry I didn't mean to make you feel that way. All of a sudden, you can have a conversation with somebody. The number one thing I've learned is if you can look at somebody and actually say their name. Come on, Teresa. (laughs) Teresa, I'm sorry. Mm. You know... All of a sudden, because they're coming, they know that you've done something wrong, or they're, there's, they're having a mind game of their own. Mm. But as soon as you can look them and go say their name and just be there with them, you can always see their defenses go down as well. Yeah. And now you at least have a little, maybe a little tiny hole in their heart where you can start to have a conversation that's real instead of saying, you did this to me, you did that to me. Yeah, how much, how much, you know, what percentage of any given conversation are we preparing in our minds to defend ourselves? Oh my like goodness. Like when he finishes saying this, I'm going to tell him what he did three months ago. Boom. And he doesn't remember, but I have the fucking email. That's right. I'm going like, to blow that just fucker always up. always ready to defend ourselves and ready to say that the other person was wrong. And yeah, it is a disarming thing if it's an authentic, coming from an authentic place to say, here's where I messed up, but here's what I think we should do moving forward, you know? Yeah. Um, Oh, but to go back on that, so I didn't have an intention of being a director of yoga. Oh. I think I naturally got there, and I remember the first time that I saw one of the 
head people at that time in the corporate office look at me with their eyes just open, their jaw open, because I had a conversation that they overheard, and I started it with saying, I'm so sorry that I didn't think that through. And he just looked at me and went, you just apologized. I went, yeah. And they were like, that's amazing. I haven't heard anybody do that here. At work? Yeah. Really? And they were like, that was, I heard how that conversation went, and that was amazing. And so I think by just showing up and being myself and not being afraid to apologize that I screwed up. I fell on my face, but I'm willing to get up and let's, let's try to work this through so we can make it better has, I think, really been part of my success story anyway. Yeah, you've had your, I mean, ups and downs in the corporate world, I think, is uh, I've been in it for 15 years and <clears throat> I think it's the head, world headquarters of disingenuous communication. I think a lot of them can be. I, I know where I work has gone through its ups and downs. My mind was blown two years ago, maybe coming up on three now, when they stopped the corporate office for the day. They brought us all into this big conference center, and they talked about a shift that they wanted to have with our culture. And they said, culture of care. And in the back of my head, I went, bullshit. Bullshit. But they started talking about these pillars that they wanted us as leaders for this company to all start thinking about. And the pillars were empathy. Um, I remember them having a whole conversation around love. And I went, holy shit, they ripped off our yoga teacher training manual. They're drinking their own Kool-Aid? And since that happened, I have seen a real shift in how we work. Corporations are tricky, and people always ask me, I've almost been here a decade now, and they go, why? Why have you stayed that long? And I take a step back and I go, you know, miscommunication happens all the time. Big machines, they have lots of people working as fast as they can. But I do feel fortunate that when I do take a step back, everybody that I see there really loves what they do and really wants to make change in this world. And talk about world empathy, you know, being at a place like Lifetime where I am, the more people we get into yoga classes that start to realize who they are underneath all the masks and, you know, shields that they put up, the more that I know becomes a reality. It just starts with each individual understanding who they are. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!